We're going to bring out some snakes and scorpions here in a minute. <laughs> Put the gospel to the test today. <laughs> well, good morning. Christ is risen. It is uh, 4th of July weekend. Obligatory happy 4th of July. Whether you uh, are blowing things up in celebration, maybe you're blowing things up in protest this week, whatever you're doing, just do it safely. Um, come back with all of your digits next, next week. Enjoy the, the long weekend. Enjoy the family, the cookout, the lake, whatever you're doing. We don't say a whole lot uh, about things like the 4th of July, and this is probably the only thing that we'll say today. And that's not out of any kind of protest or strange posture, we just think that we're more shaped by the Christian calendar and by the gospel than we are American culture. And so we acknowledge it, enjoy yourselves, have fun. But today is not about the 4th of July here at Sanctuary. Today is about the gospel. Today is about coming to the table. These, uh, these seasons that we find ourselves in, seasons like summer, they're, they're interesting because they, they tend to pull us out of our normal rhythms, right? They disorient us a little bit. They kind of force us into maybe seasons of relaxing when we'd rather be busy or maybe into seasons of being really, really busy when otherwise we don't have the time to do all these kinds of things that we want to do. These seasons, they are disruptive in our lives. They pull us out of our normal rhythms and the kind of like humdrum, uh, warp and wolf parts of our lives. And I think there's some kind of gift to that. I mean, it can be exhausting and it can, again, be disorienting when you're trying to get your bearings, but I think it is a kind of gift to us because it allows us to step out of our normal rhythms and the normal kind of things that we're engaged in in our day-to-day -day lives and start to assess how do we want to re-approach all of those things. So we're kind of right in the center of this space. You know, this is maybe one of those, those hidden blessings of like, I don't know, a pandemic, um, where all of your life just happens to get shut down and now you're kind of forced with reckoning with these questions of what parts of my life do I really want to return to? What kind of parts of my life were actually life-giving to me and not just sucking the life out of me? And as much as this season can, I think that's the opportunity that we have in front of us to say, here we are, we're in the middle of our summer, we're out of town, we're in town, we're with family, we're not with family. What do we wanna to return to? And when we return, what is our posture toward the return itself. I think what Jesus is offering us in today's gospel text is a kind of simple wisdom for how we approach all of our lives. Here in this, in this text, he's talking specifically to these, to these 70, and it's fascinating that they are the 70 that he is sending out to the places where it says he intended to go, which is to say like, Jesus had a lot of things that he wanted to do and he didn't really have the time to do it. And so, hey, why don't you go do it for me? This is our kind of life on mission with Jesus. This is 
something that we're hearing that 70 are responding to is the same kind of call that we have to respond to in our own lives, that there are places and people and spaces that you are meant to occupy simply because Jesus intends to be there. And sometimes the best <laughs> we can muster is instead of Jesus going, it's you going and showing up and being a certain kind of person. So he says to them, as you go, here's how you should go. And I think he offers us again a kind of simple wisdom for our lives. Now the idea of even simple wisdom is, is kind of an oxymoron because wisdom at its essence, at its core, is anything but simple. It's, it's not basic, it's not easy. That's not what we're talking about when we say something like simple wisdom. Simple wisdom is a kind of simplicity as, as purity of heart. It's, it's simplicity as a kind of singleness of vision. Simplicity as in undistracted wisdom an undistracted posture for our lives. It's not thoughtlessness kind of simplicity. It's not a shallow kind of simplicity or superficial kind of simplicity. What we're talking about is a, a, a kind of purity of heart. This, was, uh, this is Kierkegaard. That he defines purity of heart as to will one thing. That's what we mean when we say simple wisdom that it's to will one thing. It's to give our, our lives and our attention and our focus and our time and our energies to one kind of thing. And I think that one kind of thing that we're hearing today from Jesus is this is just how you move about in the world. This is your posture toward those that you encounter, toward being out in the world in general, about what happens when things don't go the way that you want them to. So. I just want to offer a couple of quick ideas that uh, I think we can glean from our gospel text today. The first is that Jesus makes a point to say that the world is not really a safe place. Remember, he says that I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Sheep among wolves. This is not a really hopeful image <laughs> that Jesus is outlining for us. But it speaks to, again, a kind of simplicity of our lives, a kind of basic understanding of the world that we live in, that as much as we want it to be, the world just is not safe, it's not predictable, it's not easy to make sense of, but it is the world that we are sent out into. And so even though Jesus offers us all of these different postures about how we ought to approach our neighbor, about how we ought to live in those spaces when we're welcomed in, about how we should go about the journey in terms of not carrying a bag or a purse or sandals, at its core, Jesus is saying to them, do all of this, think about the world this way, approach people with this kind of posture, but underneath all of that is this reminder that the world is not as neat and tidy and predictable and safe as we want it to be. And how we approach that dynamic of unsafeness, I think says everything about how much the gospel has leaked into our hearts and our lives. So sending you out as sheep 
among wolves. But the very first thing Jesus says to them is that you're not going to go alone. Remember, he says, the Lord appointed 70 others and he sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town where he intended to go. I think if we're going to live in the kind of world that Jesus tells us we're going to live in, a world that's not safe and not predictable, part of the hope that we have is that we we don't go alone, that we don't journey by ourselves. To live in a way that, that takes risks, to be sheep among wolves, is to be people who are never sent out into the world alone. To remember that Christ never sends us on our way by ourselves. Instead, Christ sends us out with those that we know, the people that we are known by. And when you're living as sheep among wolves, the strength and the protection that we have, that we find in the world, is strength that we draw from one another. It's strength that we draw from one another in realizing that we are never alone. Listen, if you find yourself doing all of this more or less alone, I want to encourage you to find your people. Find your people. That might look like a risk in and of itself, to put yourself out there and say, here I am. I would love to be known by you and to know you. (laughs) This is one of the functions of the church as a body of believers is to bring people in with their talents and with their energies and with the things that they have to offer and we connect to one another so that we know when we step out of those doors on Sunday afternoon that whatever life is gonna throw at us, all of the unpredictable, unsafe kind of things that we're gonna bump into, that we're not engaging any of that by ourselves. We don't go out alone. You know, it's, it's the role of, of deacons in a community. And we've got some folks that are in the middle of training for the diaconate right now. And as soon as they're ordained into that position, one of the things that we'll do at the end of every service is not just going to be, okay, go in peace, have a great week. There will be a deacon standing at the door. And you'll hear them say, let us go forth to love and serve the Lord. And we all respond, thanks be to God. And then we follow them out the doors, because the ministry of the deacon is ministry that happens at the threshold between the church and the world. So that even as we go, even as we're sent from this place, having these kinds of encounters, receiving food for the journey, that we go following people from our own community that we believe we're journeying with back out into the world. We don't, we don't do this alone. There will always, (laughs) this is very true of sanctuary especially, there will always be really wonderful people who just show up on Sunday and then they leave and then come back next Sunday. That's okay. (laughs) But sometimes there are these kinds of dig your heels in moments, let your heart be broken open a little bit moments when we say, "Ah, I can't just do Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. And this ought to be our impulse toward one another is knowing that God is at work, the Spirit is at work in all of your lives, 
So that when we come into this kind of space, that our posture toward one another, one another this you've, you've heard Bishop Ed say this before, that your posture walking into this space is not here I am, but it's there you are. We ought to be so curious, like little spiritual, like Sherlock Holmes, trying to figure out what is God doing in your life? Because we really believe that God is working and acting and speaking and messing with you in ways that oftentimes we are completely oblivious to. We have to be curious about what is happening to all of you. We can't, sanctuary is, we're far from perfect, right? And I think next Saturday night, if God spoke his perfect will into every person's heart in the city of Tulsa, not everybody's gonna show up on Sunday to sanctuary. People are gonna to go to their own spaces. And that's fine, that's appropriate, because God is doing different things in different communities. People need to be sent to different spaces to hear the word that God has for them, to receive the kind of balm that God wants to put on their hearts and their souls. But we're here. Our name's on the building now. Yeah, it is, I know. Happy surprise yesterday, driving down I-44, would have been nice to have a phone call. Like, hey, we're putting this sign on your building. <laughs> anyway. We're far from perfect, but we keep showing up. And I think we're people that are worth continuing to show up to. <laughs> so let's be curious. We don't go alone. We don't go by ourselves. Because our life, our life with Christ, yes, it is personal, but it's not private. It's at least as corporate as it is private. That our life with Christ is about our lives together as much as it is just me and Jesus got a good thing going. We don't go alone. And listen, Jesus, he sends out 70. You do not need 70 people in your life. You do not need 70 close friends. Have you seen the meme that's like, Nobody talks about the real miracle of Jesus as having 13 or 12 close friends when he's in his 30s. And it's true. The older we get, the harder it is to just stay connected to people, to, to fight to be a part of one another's lives. And I mean, listen, jokes aside, Jesus has 12, but he has three that are his closest. Three that are like really his companions people that he trusts, people that he is speaking with and praying with, living his life with, sharing with. Find a few that you can live your life with, be known by those people. When we're sent out, again, like sheep among wolves, part of the mark of Christ on our lives is knowing that as sheep among wolves, people of God living in an unsafe, unpredictable world, part of the mark of Christ on your life is how you respond when you suffer. It's how you respond when you are bitten or chased by the wolves. And part of the wisdom that Jesus offers us today is, is about learning to suffer well. It's about learning to respond to those kinds of 
hurts, those kinds of wounds, those kinds of evils that are done to us? How do we respond to those kinds of acts in ways that are still faithful? Because we are not the eye for an eye people. We can't be. Jesus tells us this doesn't work. What does he tell us to do? He tells us to stick in there. He tells us that even when people are doing evil to you, do good back to them. And this is not like some kind of weird trick they were trying to play on people. This isn't like a manipulation for people that even as they're doing evil to you, that you're still committed to doing good to them because you think like, man, this is going to work something out in their, in, the, in their lives. No, the text says that even when you do all of that, that what happens? You're heaping burning coals <laughs> on their heads. Now, remember the image of burning coals, of live coals throughout the texts. It's not a punishment. as much as we want it to be, as much as we want the outcome of our doing good to the people who are doing evil to us to be a punishment of sorts, the burning coals is not a punishment. The burning coals is a, a, a purifying act. It's a, it's a burning away kind of act. It's the, it's the judgment of God that's making whoever that person is the most themselves. This is what happens when we commit to being human, when we commit to being people who even when evil happens to us, we're going to do good so that at the end of the day, this person can be restored, not punished. That's what it is to suffer well. There's, there's something about the community of faith, about the people of God, that even as we suffer, part of what we should be thinking is that I can afford this. I don't have to, to retaliate. I don't have to react out of that hurt and out of that, that wound. Remember Jesus, when he, when he talks about when you're slapped to turn the other cheek, what is he saying? That you are supposed to turn so you can respond from your wholeness, that you can respond from the parts of you that are, that are whole and healthy. That we don't respond from the hurt. We respond from that place of realizing God is at work in their lives. God has a dream for this person. God wants to see this person made whole, and so I'm going to commit to doing good. Again, not so, that they're, not so that they're punished, but so that they can be purified, that the coals can be set on their heads so that who they are in Christ can be realized. This is what it is to suffer well. It's what it is when we engage with the wolves in our lives and in our worlds. Are we responding from the hurt? Are we responding from the pain? Are we just trying to repay evil for evil? Or can we stick in there and do good and see what God might do? Richard Rohr talks about this idea that when we, when we live our lives as sheep among wolves, and we live this life of doing good even to those who are doing evil to us, that it's a kind of way of, of living with our heart out in front. It's, it's a posture of, of vulnerability and openness. 
But it is the way, it's the posture that God calls us to take in the world. It's not one of self-protection. It's not one of hunkering down. It is living with our lives, living our lives with our hearts out in front of us. This is what he says about this. Kind of a longer quote, so hang in there with me. He says, Jesus tells us to love and to pay the price for loving. The heart and the soul are the first to attach to things and to fall in love. He says, look at the image of the sacred heart of Jesus. I'm sure some of you are aware of this, this image. It's not good art, it, and I think he says that in this quote. It's kind of a terrible picture. But it's a picture of Jesus, but his heart is out in front of him. And this is called the sacred heart of Jesus. He says, look upon the image of the sacred heart of Jesus. His heart is out in front of his chest. It may not be great art, but it is great theology. The heart is given. The price is paid. And when we attach, when we fall in love, we risk pain and we will always suffer for it. The cross is not the price that Jesus had to pay to convince God to love us. It is simply where love will lead us. Jesus names the agenda, he says, that if we love, if we give ourselves to feel the pain of the world, it will crucify us. We may prefer to remain aloof and detached, but that's not the Christian way. The Christian way is to risk the attachments of love and then keep growing in what it actually means to love. I think our temptation that we feel all the time is to live lives that are self-protected, that are insulated. And what ends up happening is that when we default to these modes of self-protection. Remember last week we talked about the foxes digging their holes and the birds of the air building their nest. But the Son of Man has no place to rest his head. That, that in some way our life with Christ is a restless life out there. A life that resists this temptation to hunker down and to, to dig our hole that's just big enough for me. Because what ends up happening is that as we insulate ourselves from the pain of the world, you can't solely insulate yourself from just one thing. When you insulate, you might protect yourself from pain, but you're also gonna insulate yourself from love and from joy, from suffering, but from delight. And we can't live like that. We can't live insulated and closed off and self-protected because it's just not the life that Christ calls us to. The other thing that Jesus offers us as a kind of simple wisdom is just this idea of living simply in the world. Remember, he says, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, greet no one on the road. A lot of us broke these rules today. I walked in here with my bag. You came in with your purse. Some of you are wearing sandals. It's fine. But I think there's something about this charge that speaks to, to something deeper in us, that it speaks to our desires. I think it speaks to our needs to, to prepare and even over-prepare. If any of you are traveling, going on any kind of vacations, you inevitably have that person in your life 
who perpetually overpacks. If you're saying to yourself, no, I don't, you are the one who perpetually overpacks. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going up to my in-law's lake house and I know I need like two days worth of stuff and somehow, some way, I'll end up with like a week's worth of stuff, books that I don't have time to read while I'm there, like tools will be involved in the packing process. We all do this, right? And what is that? Like, what, what is that desire? What is that sense in us to overpack? It's, it's, a, it's a desire to make sure that we're ready for whatever happens, that there are going to be no curveballs. I love being that guy who is in some kind of weird scenario where somebody's like, oh, I wish I just had this thing, like this would fix it, and me being like, ha ha! I love that feeling. But Jesus says, leave it at home. Don't bring your purse, don't bring your bag, don't carry an extra pair of sandals. Don't try to over-prepare. Why? Because believing that we can prepare for every single event and every possible outcome, it just doesn't work. Because we're just not that in control of our lives. And this is part of what Jesus is inviting us to see is that by resisting this, this overpacking, overprepared posture toward the world, we can open-handedly walk into the life that God has for us, knowing we're not gonna be prepared for everything, that we can't control every outcome, that sometimes life is just gonna throw stuff at us and we're not gonna be ready for it. So we shouldn't waste our time and our energy overthinking and over planning. I mean, think like it's so tragic, but we hear these kinds of stories all the time, right? The, the, the guy who like he eats like a vegetarian and he runs all the time and he works out, he's in the best shape of his life and then he gets struck by lightning or something. As much as we prepare, as much as we do to try to avoid certain kinds of outcomes in the world, Sometimes lightning just strikes. It just happens. So Jesus says, don't, don't waste all your energy. Don't waste all your time trying to overprepare because it's gonna make you focus on all of the wrong kinds of things. This is life. You're going to get hit with the thing that you weren't prepared for. Trouble's going to come. It's just the way life works. <laughs> Isn't this good news today? But so much unnecessary pain comes from our own need to feel prepared. We do this practically, of course, with something silly like overpacking for a vacation, but we also do it philosophically, we do it theologically. We think if we get all of the right books into our heads, if we listen to all of the right podcasts, if we come and do all of the right things and we go to church on all the right Sundays, we pray all of the right prayers, that we can secure for ourselves certain outcomes of our lives. But it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work this way. Yes, we should read. Yes, we should be in the scriptures. Yes, we should show up to church. But life is full of situations that the manuals just don't address. And all the parents said, amen. 
At some point, being a disciple just means we go because Jesus tells us to go, and we've been sent, and we learn to trust God with the outcomes of our lives. In another part of this text, Jesus simply tells the disciples to go and to proclaim peace. That's it. Peace, the kingdom of God has come near. We are citizens of a peaceable kingdom in a violent world. We are lambs among wolves. We're called to bear witness to the kingdom of God wherever we go and then leave the outcomes to God, to let that be part of God's work that God is doing in the world. We just bear witness. We just speak peace. The last thing Jesus encourages us. Well, two more things. One more, because that's what we got time for. He says to eat what's in front of you. Jesus says, remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they put in front of you. We don't really know sometimes how much our lack of simplicity really wears on us. I think this is especially important for us during ordinary time when we have space, again, to slow down a little bit, to get pulled out of our rhythms, to consider what are we spending our energies on? What are we giving our time to? We have to take conscious steps, I think, to simplify our lives at times. And this is a great season to pull out some of those parts of our lives that don't feel life-giving to us, that feel more like distractions, that feel more like draining us. Maybe it looks like putting your phone down for a few hours every day. Maybe it's not incessantly checking your email over and over and over again. Maybe it's not rushing to social media when your kids are asking, hey, can we go outside and do this thing? So much of our lives, I think, are about distracting us from the pain of what we experience. About kind of becoming numb to our own experiences and to our own lives, letting our lives happen to us, rather than seeing what's right in front of us. And Jesus says, that thing that's right in front of you, eat that thing. Be open to that thing. Don't reject it. Don't wish it was something else. Don't try to go to somebody else's house. He's just saying, whatever's put in front of you, be open to it. Be open to it. I think when we're constantly confronted with all of the choice of noise and media and screens, our lives can very quickly become paralyzing. But I think what God is calling us to do in the world means to just have a moment of decluttering our lives. Eat what's set before you. This again is this posture of openness. It looks like living with your heart out in front of you. Because sometimes eating what's right in front of you, we don't always like what somebody's cooking. Sometimes what's right in front of us is engaging with the pain and the brokenness of our lives and the lives of other people. But Jesus says to be open to it. Consume it. 
It's placed before you for a reason. Maybe part of what it means to be more effective to what God has called you to do, to live a little bit more faithfully to what God has called you to do, just looks like simplifying your life a bit right now. Don't live in, in Walmart all the time. There's this story <laughs> of uh, Kathleen Norris. She wrote this book called The Cloister Walk. And she tells this story about meeting this monk who like for decades has lived in this monastery and he had only eaten one kind of cereal the whole time he was there. Like it was one choice and that was the thing that he ate. And he goes into a Walmart and he couldn't get past the cereal aisle. But he's like, look at all of the choices you have. Who knew that there was this many cereals? I think we live in Walmart all the time. And sometimes the, the life of simplicity that Jesus is calling us to is just, just pick one and just do that thing. Don't get distracted with all of the colors and the cartoons and the noise. Just live simply. Living in Walmart is stressful. But just eating what's right in front of you, paying attention to what's right in front of you, paying attention to your kids who are right in front of you, going and sitting in that chair that's outside right in front of you rather than sitting in front of your TV or your computer or your phone all day. Sometimes we just need to eat what's right in front of us, to be open to the experiences that are right in front of us, to not live resistant to them, but to live open to them. All right. Remember, Christ never sends us out into the world alone. Remember that the world is unsafe and it's unpredictable and you cannot control all of the outcomes. So just live with a commitment to, to do your best, to live peaceably, to respond to evil with good and leave those outcomes to God. God, I think, hands us, he hands us seeds, not, not results. We're just faithful in planting them, in being some of those laborers in the fields, faithfully planting seeds, watering them, cultivating that soil, and then letting go, and letting God do the work of growth and change. And remember that the Spirit invites us to receive what is offered today. So let's choose to live with our hearts out in front of us a bit, a little more open to what's going on in the world and in the lives of our neighbors, choosing to do good rather than evil. Amen.